0: Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum, and I will be your host as always. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know of a few things of note. First, you may or may not be aware that I host another podcast called The Third Seat. The Third Seat is unrelated to the podcast you are listening to right now, but if you'd like to check it out, then I will put a link in the description of today's episode that you can use to listen to it. If you like this podcast, then I really think you will like The Third Seat as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Next, I want to let you know of a few ways you can support the podcast. First, be sure to tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Word of mouth is not only a great way to help support the show, but it's also zero cost. Secondly, if you enjoy today's episode, then be sure to leave a 5-star review wherever you get your podcast. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways of not only supporting the show, but it also gives me direct feedback from you regarding how you feel about the show overall. I greatly appreciate if you decide to take the time to support the show in any of these ways. Finally, if you'd like to follow me or the show on social media, then feel free to check out the description of today's episode. Here you will find all affiliated and mentioned links, as well as how you can support the show online. As always, I want to thank you for tuning into and supporting the show. It really means a lot to me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinum. I will be your host as always um, and today, uh, today's episode is going to be another installment in the series that I like to call Sincerely Yours Truly where I just give uh, my thoughts on different topics, different ideas, different happenings in our world. Uh, it's basically just a time for me to share my thoughts on things that I want to talk about. So today's episode is going to be a little bit different uh, than previous episodes, whereas, uh, you know, obvi- obviously you're going to be getting my thoughts on uh, what I want to talk about today. Uh, but specifically, today uh, I want to talk about something that's kind of been a, a new, a relatively new revelation in our world. Um, I want to talk about something that's uh, personal to me, uh, but actually was is based off of a conversation I had the other day. Um, with my fiance. Uh, she actually is the inspiration for this episode. Um, if she's listening to this right now, uh, hi, hope you're doing well. Uh, but um, she uh, came up to me the other day and asked me about my thoughts on uh, like a news article that she had read. Um, and I obviously gave her my thoughts, and I'd just been thinking about that ever since. And decided to turn it into a a full uh, length episode because I felt like I still had some things I wanted to say, uh, and decided to go ahead and put it in this format. So um, today I'm going to be talking at, relatively at length um, about an article uh, that was recent that recently came out, um, and this article that I'll be referencing uh, is from Reuters, and the. Uh, it, it's from a, a statement that came from the American Academy of Pediatrics, um, where uh, the headline of the article says "U.S. Experts Recommend Weight Loss Drugs for Obese Children." And uh, in this episode, I want to talk about it a little bit, uh, about a little bit about my own experience uh, dealing with with weight loss and uh, you know the, our our own image of our own bodies. Um, and I want to reference a few different articles and things just to kind of give my thoughts on this and. Uh, you know, just put it out there for you to hear. So before we start, I do have a couple things I want to say real quick. Um, first off, I want to uh, make it abundantly clear that uh, I am not an expert on any of these things that I will be talking about. My hope with this episode is to offer some different, uh, to offer some experience that I've had and hopefully offer some insight on uh, potential solutions and and you know offer not just not just to shed light on a problem, but to offer uh, you know the, the positive side of things to hopefully offer up a solution. So I want to offer up my own experience, but I do want to you know lean on the the ex- the expertise of others uh, that are true experts in this field. So I will be uh, you know reflecting on some different articles some different statements and studies that have come out. Uh, but I want to, I want to encourage you, the listener to take everything I say with a, a big grain of salt. Uh, I am not, again, I'm not an expert in everything I talk about here. And you know, the things I talk about are purely going to be based off of what I'm reading, uh, and what, uh, experience I have, um, and what I, to believe, what I believe to be, you know, an honest, uh, attempt at a solution in my part. Um, so yeah, Also, I'll be referencing a couple different articles and studies. So those articles uh, and studies will be linked down below. So if you would like to check any of the things that I'm looking at, uh, then feel free to head down there, find the links for those articles. And you can see what I'm reading uh, and and draw your own conclusions from it if you like. Um, And one more thing, I will try my best uh, not to make this too wordy, uh, not to make this too article heavy. I don't want to just read the article out for you and just have you listening to me reading an article. So there will be a little bit of reading uh, the different parts of these articles, but hopefully my goal here is to re- you know, reference these articles where necessary and then offer uh, my own experiences and insights based on what these articles say. Um, so with uh, all that out of the way, I want to start with a little bit of a personal story of mine. So I know that I've mentioned this on the show before, um, but I would say, so I'm at the current recording, uh, time of recording this episode, I am 22 years old, um, and I would say for the first 18, 18 and a half years of my life, um, I had a very uh, unhealthy relationship with my body, with the food that I ate, with, um, you know, exercise in general, and just, all the activities that you do in, in a physical sense. Uh, I did not have the greatest relationship with that. And so because of that, growing up, I, uh, for one, I've always been kind of a, a larger guy. Uh, I've always been one of the, the taller, tallest guys kind of in in the room that I walk into. Uh, I am currently six foot three, uh, about, you know, I'm, I've always been kind of a big guy. And so add on to the fact that I, uh, Add on to the fact that i did not have a great relationship with food uh, I, t- I tended to obviously not know how kind of uh, from a macronutrient standpoint how food truly worked um but also i didn't i had i i had a bad habit of uh you know whenever i would eat i would frequently overeat i would snack a lot uh and whenever i did eat It would be not necessarily foods that are considered to be good for you, but things uh, that, you know, uh, are quite the opposite. You know, you can think of sweets and chips and junk food and stuff like that, that is generally considered to be not the greatest uh, option of food. And so, because of this, uh, as I grew up, I really was, for most of my life, uh, a large portion of my life, I was uh, generally considered overweight. Uh, I wasn't really at a point where I would felt confident in my own physical appearance. Uh, and I just wasn't really happy with my body and just the way that I felt. And this was something that I had just kind of chalked up to the fact that, you know, in my mind, there were people that did struggle with their weight and there were people that didn't. And sadly, that was just the, the hand, that I was dealt. Uh, you know, I, 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 just had to deal with the fact that I was going to be one of those people that struggle with it. And that's just the life that I had to live and looking back and and now kind of with, with a more mature perspective, I know that, uh, there are people in this world that, you know, you know, we're all, all built differently. Um, we all have different genetic makeups. And because of that, some people, legitimately do have uh, an easier tendency to put on weight Uh, and some people are uh, not as they they don't put on weight as easily so everybody's differently from a genetic standpoint Uh, some people can eat a lot of food and they never see it and some people can eat a little bit of food and and they feel like they just gain weight right then and there Um, so we're all different and we're all and, and I am no expert in this field to tell you the kind of breakdown of all of that but I do know that we are all genetically different and that some of us are going to have a harder time dealing with our physical bodies than others do. And so I say all that to say that I have some experience in the field of being a, a adolescent and also a young adult in the sense where you aren't happy with the way that you look. You aren't happy with your health. You, you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle that, uh, that is just too, too much for you to bear. Um, and so thankfully now I am at a point where I'm much uh, happier with my body. I'm much healthier. Uh, I have much healthier habits and there's a myriad of reasons why, but I don't necessarily want to jump into that today. Um, I want to kind of use my experience and the, the experiences I've had and the things that I've learned and reflect them on this, uh, news headline that has come out recently. So um, the reason why I say all of that is because of this uh, conversation that I have with my fiance based on this news article that came out. So as I mentioned in the beginning, I will reference all of these uh, articles in the description. So if you'd like to check them out, they will be down there. But I want to read a, a little bit on this article. It's a Reuters article and the headline says, U.S. experts recommend weight loss drugs for obese children. And I'll just read the first little bit here. Uh, this is on January 9th. The American Academy of Pediatrics on Monday recommended use of weight loss drugs in children ages 12 years or older for treatment of obesity, which impacts about 14.4 million kids and adolescents in the United States and can lead to serious health complications. It then goes on to say the new guidelines, the first in over a decade, focus on a treatment of obesity as opposed to prevention. And then it gives you a quote here and it says, I think they are important because there are a number of misunderstandings about exactly what causes obesity. And there are some unintended biases, even by medical profession, providers with regard to childhood obesity. And that quote came from Dr. Mark Mikalski, Mikalski? I'm not sure if I pronounced that correct, uh, of the Nation Nationwide Children's Hospital in Columbus, Ohio, who is a co-author of these guidelines that I just gave you. And so this came out uh, on, I believe it was January 9th, and obviously it's stirred up some conversation online, uh, by different people in the, in, you know, the kind of online health sphere, but also just people that generally report on the news like this. It's generated some conversation online about this. And I wanted to talk about this because in my opinion, I have some different thoughts on it. Uh, but I've seen a lot of different reactions to this. And I, I, I feel that to a degree, there's a couple missing parts, uh, that, um, are going unmentioned in in some ways. So uh before I continue, uh I want to again reference another quick article here. Uh so if you're not familiar with what obesity and being overweight truly is, uh I'm going to give you a couple different, you know, definitions and a couple different stats uh, about what it is and uh and what it looks like in our world today. So again, uh, this, this link will be included. This next link will be included in the description. So if you'd like to check it out then I highly encourage you to go down there and check it out. Um, but this is a, a article by the world health organization all about obesity and, and what it is and the, the different kind of the, the geographic makeup of obesity and how it impacts the world around us. So, um. Obesity, uh, according to them, it says, what are obesity and overweight? And it says, overweight and obesity are defined as abnormal or excessive fat accumulation that may impair health. Then it says, uh, body mass index, which is the BMI, is a simple index of weight for height that is commonly used to classify overweight and obesity in adults. It is defined as a person's weight in kilograms divided by the square of his, his height in meters. Uh now I don't want to dive into BMI right now because online there's some controversy about controversy about uh you know the body mass index and whether it actually is real or not to say real whether it's uh, a good metric to base one's health off of or not um but for right now I just want to focus on what what uh being obese or overweight is. And it's simply, as according to the World Health Organization, as being defined by having an abnormal or excessive fat accumulation that may impair one's health. Um, a couple other key facts from the World Health Organization. Uh, worldwide, obesity has nearly tripled since 1975. Uh, in 2016, more than 1.9 billion adults 18 years and older were overweight. And of these 1.9 billion adults, uh, over 650 million were obese. 39% of adults aged 18 years and over were overweight in 2016 and 13% were obese. And now, uh, there's a couple of stats actually about children, uh, in this regard. So in 2020, uh, 39 million children under the age of five, under the age of five were overweight or obese. In um, children's aged 5 to 19, uh, there were over 30, 340 million children and adolescents who were overweight or obese in 2016, and that's in the age range of 5 to 19. So, obviously, this is something that afflicts people of all ages. It, there's, it doesn't matter if you are a, a young child or if you are a grown adult. It, it, it impacts us all in, in, uh, regardless of your age. And so... Um, what even causes this, you know, uh, what, because obviously there are some people that are overweight and obese and there are some that are not. Um, and again, according to this in the same article from the world health organization, it says the fundamental cause of obesity and overweight is an energy imbalance between calories consumed, which is the food that you eat, the calories from the food that you eat and calories expended or the calories that you use as you're just living your daily life. Um and so they go on to say globally there has been an increased intake of energy dense foods or calorie dense foods that are high in fat and sugars and an increase in physical inactivity due to the increasingly sedentary nature of many forms of work changing modes of transportation and increasing urbanization so what that's basically saying is that uh over time we have eaten more calories than we can ex- than we can use than we can expend um, you know, and we, we have uh, over time, we have done this and this has caused, uh, is the, is the fundamental cause of someone gaining weight. For instance, if in a day, uh, you know, if, if over a course of three years, if every day you consume, uh, 3000 calories and every single one of those days you, you use two, 2,500 calories then every single day you have a excess, excess increase of 500 calories, which over time can cause weight gain. That's the fundamental uh, core reason as to, you know, the, the black and white of why people gain weight. A lot of people refer to it oftentimes as the concept of calories in calories out. Uh, and you can kind of use that as a, a base building block of why people gain weight. And so looking at these two different, uh, you know, one was a news article from Reuters that recently came out and then comparing it to just the the plain facts about what uh, obesity and, and living an overweight life is, you can imagine there are a lot of different thoughts and opinions circulating on this right now. Uh, I've seen some people online circulating the fact that, you know, focusing on the fact that we tend to increasingly... Increasingly live sedentary lives, uh, which is causing us to, uh, at, at large, uh, you know, um, uh, gain weight, uh, which is definitely one part of the puzzle. Um, other people focus on the fact that people just need to, you know, the, the people just need to eat better. They just have better diets. Um, and, and that is certainly part of it as well, um again, at the end of the day, the, 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 the thing that determines whether you gain or lose weight is again, calories in calories out. Um, and a lot of people have been focusing on, uh, just the, just the idea of, is it even right to potentially offer children, um, you know, these medications or these potential weight loss surgeries that would, uh, not be used as a uh, a preventative measure, but more as a treatment of obesity. And some people have really championed this, some people have not. Um, and in my opinion, I think that a focus on one of these aspect, aspects alone without considering other aspects is a little bit short-sighted. And what I mean by that is this. I believe that regarding, um, you know, the, the use of weight loss medications or weight loss surgery or any kind of preventative measure, uh, or um, excuse me, any kind of, uh, non-preventative measure, but rather a treatment measure, uh, r- regarding obesity in children is not necessarily a bad thing. If a child or an individual is obese or is overweight and they are struggling with this, and there is a medication or a surgery that they can take advantage of or that they can use to help uh, with their current condition, then in my opinion, I don't believe it is, out, it, it is the right thing to do to kind of gatekeep these potential uh, life saving or, uh, you know, uh, life altering medications and surgeries. Because again, we know that this is something that a lot of people deal with, both children and adults. And I don't think that this is something, if it is shown to have a overall positive impact on the people that use it. Again, I want to clarify, if this medication and surgery is shown to be a positive thing for the people that you, that use it, uh, both adults and children, then I don't see why that should necessarily be withheld from these people. However, I want to focus on the fact that this article uses this treatment, this this uh, these medications, these surgeries, uh, as a treatment of obesity, as opposed to a prevention, and that is kind of where I begin to diverge from this, because I think that medications and surgeries are certainly a piece of the puzzle that is important, and I think that it's something that we have, uh, we as a as a human species have been able to develop over time, and it's something that we should we should take advantage of. However, I think that as this is saying, this is only in my opinion a current treatment of symptoms rather than a eradication of the root cause. And so if we look back at how does obesity and and being overweight even happen, it again comes back to this this idea of calories in, calories out. And so then you get the, the camp of people that say, okay, well, this just proves that we don't need the medications or we don't need to focus on the medication and the surgery. We need to focus on telling people to change their lifestyle. They need to be more active. They need to eat more fruits and vegetables and things like that. And I would agree. I think that if you're listening to this right now and you're considering eating more fruits and vegetables or more whole grains or or things like that, I think that would probably be a good thing for you and for me. Um, similarly, I think that if you're considering adding more exercise to your life, more activity, whether it be dedicated exercise time or you want to go on a walk or you want to you know, uh, go play with your children or anything that requires you to be up and moving, uh, definitely not sitting down doing a podcast like I'm doing. (laughs) Um, then I think generally that's a good thing. Obviously you can take anything to the extreme. I'm not saying you need to be doing, you know, uh, ups all day long, or you have to be running sprints all day long, but if you can increase your bodily activity, that's been generally proven to be a good thing. Um, most of us could do well to have some more exercise in our life. And it doesn't, again, it doesn't have to be, you know, dedicated three hours of, of just hard getting at it in the gym. You you can obviously go and work out in the gym and I encourage you to, but I think that you can, you can, if you decide to increase your physical activity on, on average throughout the day and throughout the week, um, I think that's going to be a good thing. But again, I want to go back to this. Just like how I personally believe that focusing on uh, the aforementioned medicines and surgeries as a treatment is is too short-sighted. I believe that also just telling people, oh, you need to eat better and you need to exercise more is, again, a little bit short-sighted. Um, because I think we need to look back at how we got to this point in, in time in the first place. Um, because obviously, as I mentioned in the uh, earlier in the video, in reference to the the study from the World Health Organization, worldwide obesity uh, nearly tripled has nearly tripled since 1975. So obviously, there was a time where this was not such a problem that it is now. It's definitely become more of a contemporary issue rather than a historical one. So something has changed. Something has. Uh, taken hold and has caused this issue to inflate to what it is uh, now over time. And so what is that? Well, there's a lot of aspects. For one, yes, we do live increasingly sedentary lives and tend to, especially in in Western uh, first world urbanized countries, we tend to eat things that are not uh, good for us. We tend to have our diets comprised of things that we truly don't need uh, to be eating um, and along with this, we can tend to focus too much on the treatment measures rather than preventative measures. However, one aspect of this whole conversation that I believe hasn't really been talked about, at least I haven't seen it talked about is where our food is even coming from in the first place. Because again, if you look at why obesity happens and if you look at why people become overweight, it is because they consume too many calories and do not expend enough. And when you are eating foods that are dense in calories, you know, you think of, you know, little cakes or something like that. It's very easy to just throw back a bunch of calories that don't really satisfy you. Um, how did these foods become such a prevalent part of of our standard plate, of our standard diet? Um, well, you may or may not be surprised to know uh, that there's a reason why Whenever you go into a gas station, the things that you find on the shelves at cheap prices that are uh, seem like we can't get enough of them are sodas and our uh, chips and our things that uh, are are things that are made of a lot of the same ingredients. I can virtually guarantee you, if you go to any local corner store or any uh, gas station or any you know grocery store, if you check out the uh, the aisles within it, you're going to see uh, the middle aisles. You're going to see a lot of foods that are, uh, that have a long shelf life that have been prepared in a very, uh, complex way in probably a factory somewhere talking about your sugary cereals, your chips, your, uh, your, your pre-packaged meals that are, you know, th- all of these things, you will find an abundance of them at these different stores, and for relatively low prices, um, you can go to the store and get a box of uh, you know of of uh, non name brand macaroni and cheese for like sixty cents or something. Um, however, there's other th- you you know you can't buy a pineapple for for more than for less than two dollars. Um, so why is that? Well, obviously some things are easier to produce than others. Obviously I'm aware that some things, uh, are going to be more expensive and cheaper than others, but it seems like across the board, the foods generally that, uh, are not as good for you or are generally considered unhealthy are much more financially, uh, have, have much less of a financial burden, uh, on someone than, Uh, say fresh fruits and vegetables and even at that a lot of these foods that are generally considered unhealthy do not require a lot of time to prepare. Um, If you think about you know like (laughs) uh, I always think of like the 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 frozen like hungry man meals. If you think like those all you have to do to eat those are just pop it in the microwave for like four or five minutes and then you're good to go. Uh, You've You've got some food that uh, you can eat and you're, you're, you know, you're good to go. It's shelf stable. You can keep it in the freezer for probably forever uh, and it's really not too expensive. However, if you were to make a meal yourself, you're not only going to have to pay a little bit more for all the ingredients up front, but then you have to prepare it. Then you have to cook it. Then you have to portion it out. Then you have to, uh, you know, it, it's a cycle of of getting, preparing and, and eating all the food rather than just. Buying a box of a pre-made meal, popping it in the microwave, and then eating it. And so, how did we get to this point? Like, how did we get to the point where our our store shelves are filled with these things, are filled with um, foods that we don't need and and we don't <laughs> that are not good for us. Well, and again, I, I will reference I will uh, reference this in the description. So, if you'd like to check out this article, uh, you certainly can. But you may or may not be surprised to know that a lot of these foods that we are generally considered unhealthy and that we really don't need to be consuming are subsidized. Uh, and if you don't know what that means, um, something that is subsidized is, is, uh, supported financially. Um, and generally when you talk about something being subsidized, it's subsidized by, uh, either another like private or public company or, um, our government, uh, it is subsidized by that. And so, In regards to the foods that we eat, a lot of the "quote unquote" junk foods or things that are generally considered not to be good for us, uh, or overly processed foods, are subsidized by our government. And there's a lot of reasons for this. Uh, I've I've seen some things that date it back to uh, many, many, many decades in the past when uh, you know farmers and and people that worked in the agriculture industry had a really hard time to. Uh, you know, grow the crops that they need to, I think around like the, the time of the Dust Bowl. Um, but I, I don't want to go into all that right now. Um, basically, the reason why fresh produce and fresh foods and things that you generally feel like you should be eating more of are harder to acquire or uh, are proportionately somewhat more expensive is because the foods that are not good for you are paid for in large part uh by the government. It is subsidized. It's the reason why you can get a bag of chips for 99 cents. It's the reason why you can get really cheap meals uh for uh you know for like under ten dollars but you know that they're really not that good for you um it's 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 helped by the government financially helped by the government to be that price um I want to reference a time article here and again this article will be referenced in the description uh, but I'm gonna read a little bit of it um, And kind of give you some insight on what foods are subsidized and why they are. And so it says, Even though these are not the foods the government tells us to eat with their dietary guidelines, they're the foods the government makes cheap. More than half of Americans' calories came from subsidized foods, the study authors found. In the research group's prior work, this hasn't proven to be a good thing. Diets full of subsidized food were rich in dairy, carbohydrates, and meat, and low in fruits, vegetables, and overall quality. Younger, poorer, less educated people eat vastly more quantities of of subsidized food, the same group of researchers found. They continue to say, The authors then looked for a link between these diets and whether they had a high BMI, high blood pressure, markers in the blood that indicate inflammation and high cholesterol, all of which can contribute to disease. Compared to people who ate at least... uh, ate the least amount of subsidized food, the people who ate the most had a 37% higher risk of being obese, a 41% greater risk risk of having belly fat, a 34% higher risk for having signs of elevated inflammation, and a 14% higher risk of having abnormal cholesterol. This is where it gets <laughs> really crazy. Um, in the US, the cost of treating these kinds of diseases is at least $150 billion dollars per year. And the foods proven to help uh, reduce their risks aren't cheap either. If we hope to improve our national health, the study authors argue, that needs to change. We need to start, it says, quote, we need to start thinking about more central ways to change the foods that we eat, uh, says the author. And then finally, to finish off the article, it says, one uh, quote, one potential policy lever for addressing this need may be to shift agricultural subsidies towards the production of healthier crops, such as fruits and vegetables. The author was right. Bringing down the cost per calorie of healthy food would help people eat more of it while reducing their risk for disease. So, again, and I apologize for kind of being a little article wordy heavy there, but essentially what it's saying is the foods we do not need to be eating are made cheap by the government, which means that generally people, uh, even those that are, you know, generally have more money or are, you know, are, are more financially well off, uh, even though, you know, people that have more, uh, more, more expendable money, but especially the people that uh, do not and are potentially living paycheck to paycheck, It makes it incredibly hard, uh, for these people to eat the things they need to be eating and to do the things they need to do. You can go ask any person that's potentially living in poverty or is overweight and ask them if they know they should be living differently or if they would like to live differently. And they will probably say, yes, if you had asked me whenever I was younger and whenever I was, uh, you know, insecure about the way that I look and the way I felt, if you had asked me, Hey, do you want to look and feel differently? Uh, and do you know what you need to be doing? I would probably say, yeah, I would, I would like to look and feel differently. And I know that I should probably be eating better and doing more. However, it's really not that simple because while yes, on paper, it is as simple as just buying healthier foods and just exercising more. If it was truly that simple, more people would do it. People don't want to have high cholesterol and high blood pressure and live, uh, in a way that they know is going to potentially raise all cause mortality. They want to live long and healthy lives, but when you are living not only in economic uh, dire straits, it's you have to make do with what you with the best options that you have. You know, if you are incredibly financially well off, it's nothing it's nothing too big for you to buy the foods that you know you need to buy and uh, you know, and, and invest more time and money into your own health. But if you're living at or below the poverty line, if you are struggling to make ends meet, you aren't going to be able to spend the money you need on a gym membership or potentially on healthy foods that you know will uh, produce you dividends down the road. You're going to make ends meet the best way that you can. And what does that traditionally look like? Well, I've lived long enough and have lived in areas where uh, you know people live at or below the poverty line long enough to know that when you live in those conditions, you are going to eat things that you know are not the best for you because you have to you have to survive. You only have so much, so many financial resources and so much money to use on these things that if you don't, you will literally starve. It's the reason why when, <laughs> when uh you know a, a new college student starts college, why they always say, you know, you'll gain the freshman 15. It's because whenever you start college, generally speaking, most freshman college students do not have uh, a vast pool of money that they can just use all the time or time to cook uh, the food that they would like to cook, and because of that, they have to eat uh, the food that is provided for them on their, their college campus. And because college campuses want to keep costs generally low, because they're feeding a lot of students, they get foods that uh, make foods available to their students that are, generally speaking, at least in my experience and from what I've seen and heard, generally speaking, not the healthiest food. It's why there's lots of burgers and fries and pizza because they're easy to make and easy to produce. Uh, and since a college student doesn't have a lot of money and time, they're just going to kind of eat that up all day long. And yeah, that's that's a recipe for gaining weight. Um, now. Do you blame the student for not eating better foods? Do you blame the college for not providing better foods? What what do you do? I don't know if you necessarily blame any of these these entities. I think rather you need to we have to look at it in its totality. Yes, there is individual responsibility. At the end of the day, if you cannot find a way to eat a healthier diet, if you cannot find a way to live a healthier and active lifestyle, you are most likely going to suffer health consequences such as obesity and being overweight. That is purely just what what history has taught us, what the science tells us, and I am just telling that back to you. However, that is only one piece of the puzzle. If you live in a place where you are trying to provide for a large family and you don't have much disposable income and you live in an area where Fresh fruits and vegetables and foods that in, and lean meats and things that you know you should be eating are not easily available. Or if you're living in economic downturn, then yeah, you're going to make ends meet the best way you can. You're going to stop and get the KFC family meal because it's cheaper and you can provide for your family. And I, I understand why you have to do that. Um, that in combination with the fact that. Even some leading experts view obesity as something to treat rather than to prevent are all factors that contribute to the fact that over time, we as a world and especially as a nation have become a much more uh, obese and much less healthy world and nation. I don't think this is an issue that can be solved overnight. If we can somehow solve it overnight, then great. But I don't believe it is something we can solve overnight. I think it's something that has risen to be the crisis that it is today over time. And due to, the, due to time, um, I believe that it's something that if we are going to change on a, you know, on a societal level, it will have to happen on the, in the lives of individuals, but also on a macro scale. We cannot simply just expect people just to quit eating the things that they need, that they want to eat, or the things they know they shouldn't be eating and just start eating kale smoothies all day long. That's not gonna happen. Sometimes it's, it's not as simple as that, but also we need to expect better of those, uh, the people that create these subsidies for foods that we don't need to be eating. We need to expect more of uh, the people and the entities that produce the food that we eat. I can almost guarantee you, if the prices of foods were flipped, where the cheaper options, uh, proportionally speaking, and and on a, a wholesale level, um, were cheaper. If if fresh fruits and lean meats were more were cheaper and more accessible for people, rather than uh, you know fatty foods or, or things that are overly processed or things like chips that have an incredibly long shelf life then people would probably gravitate towards the healthier foods. Because again, when you're trying to make ends meet, financially speaking, you're going to take the path of least resistance. You're not, when you have only $10 to spend to feed your family, you're not going to spend $50 of that, you know, the $50 you don't have on fresh ingredients to create a whole meal for your family that yes, would be nutritious and healthy, but now you won't be able to pay your rent. You're going to do whatever you have to do to survive and live and provide. And I don't necessarily fault people for that. I understand why you have to do what you have to do. Historically speaking, we know that if we want to change things, if we want to encourage people to stop doing things that they don't need to do, then we put measures in place to do that. Um, a great example is things like uh, things that generally we we don't want to do individually, or we know that people should do less of. Things uh, such as, such as uh, consumption of uh, cigarettes, you know, generally people know, even people that smoke know that it's not something that we individually and, and we uh, on a macro scale should be consuming uh, on a regular basis. But if you walk up to someone who smokes and says, hey, you need to stop smoking, they know that. And if it was that simple, most people would do that. But it's not that simple. It's not that easy. So what do, what do we do? Well, we don't make it easier for people to attain these things. We make it generally more difficult. We tax them. We do not allow advertisements uh, of these things. If you if you look at, um, I don't have it in front of me right now, but if you look at data talking about uh, the the price of something or the taxation of something such as cigarettes, uh, you know the more you want people to not use them you, then you can tax them more Think of it this way if if for some reason the government did not want you to I don't know um if if they didn't want you to eat watermelons all of a sudden for some reason if if the price of a watermelon was two dollars per watermelon and they raise the taxes to now where a dollar a watermelon is ten dollars each are how likely are you to be? To, to buy that, to buy a watermelon, you're not, you're probably not going to, unless you just really, really, really want it. And that's what we do. We do, we put things in place to mitigate the desire and the, uh, the actual use of these things, because we know that on a broad scale and individually, we don't, the negative ramifications of using these things are not good. So my question is, why do we not, hold these same individuals that put these policies in place, uh, to the same standard. Whenever we, you know, subsidize these, uh, these, these foods that we know that we do not need to be eating, everyone knows. And there's even government websites stating that we should eat, you know, they'll have a list of things we do need to eat and don't need to eat. We know the things we need to be doing, but our actions do not prove that. Uh, we, we subsidize the things that we don't need. We make the things that we don't need easier uh, and more easier, easily attainable, uh, and make the things that we do need harder for people to get access to, which is why, again, I will go back to the fact that if you go and visit any person living in poverty, they're probably not going to be eating fresh salads every single night. They're going to be eating the things that they can afford. And when the things that you can afford are things that are terrible for you, you're going to sadly suffer the consequences of doing that. Is that the fault of the person? I don't believe it necessarily is. I think, yes, there is individual responsibility, but I do also believe that there is uh, responsibility on a macro scale for us to do something different as a, as a country, as a society, uh, and as a world. So to come back to the first article uh, that I had talked about from Reuters. Childhood obesity continues to rise. Adult obesity continues to rise. We know this is going to continue to do, uh, this is, this is continue continually going to happen. Um, and we shouldn't be surprised by the results. Uh, you know, whether it's actually attributed to Einstein or not, I have no idea, but the, as the quote goes, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. If we continue to do the the things on an individual and macro scale that we have always done, then, yeah, we're going to continue to see these chronic diseases and these uh, you know, cases of obesity in children and young adults and and uh, and ages beyond that to increase. We shouldn't be surprised by that. And I don't necessarily believe that having prevent, you know, uh, medicines that are treatments such as surgery or uh, medications are necessarily a bad thing. if they are proven to be good and beneficial for the people that need it the most, then I say go for it. I don't. I don't want to withhold things from people that uh, that truly need it. However, we cannot view each of these puzzle pieces as the only factor, as the factor. Just like how these tr- these medicines that are treatments and these surgeries that are treatments are purely that, we have to look at other factors as well. We have to look at the fact that we live sedentary lifestyles. And so what do we say to that? Well, we need to encourage people and to live more active lifestyles. We need to find ways to uh, make active lifestyles more readily available to people. But then how do we tackle the fact of the matter that people tend to not eat things that are good for them? Well, again, of course, we can look and say, oh, well, people just need to eat better food. And yes, that is part of it. If if I willingly buy something that is, that is uh, you know not good for me and i can do the do something different then that's on me that's my individual choice but i am inclined to believe that if we make things that are healthier make things such as fresh fruits and vegetables and lean meats more readily available to people through you know subsidies rather than subsidizing things that are bad for us but rather subsidizing things that are good for us i think not only the odds of people consuming Foods like this will increase, but we will see a decrease in the uh, rates of obesity and the rates of chronic diseases such as high blood pressure um, and, and things of that nature. I believe that all of these things are pieces to the same puzzle. And if we focus too much on one singular piece, then we will miss the whole picture. Yes, all of these pieces are incredibly important, but you can't just tell someone, oh, you need to eat better or, oh, you need to exercise more or, oh, you just need to take this medication. Those are pieces to the puzzle. However, I believe that they are pieces that complement each other, and we need to focus on how we can do better collectively rather than just one piece of the puzzle. I hope that all this made sense, uh, and I know that I referenced a couple different um, articles here. And so, as I mentioned, I will link these down in the description. So, if you would like to check them out, read them for yourself um, then go down there, check them out. I highly recommend you give them a quick read and see what your thoughts are. Um, again, I I believe that this is something that affects all of us to one degree or another, but obviously most of us are not experts in this field. So as I said, take everything I said with a grain of salt and I challenge you to go and check out, uh, these articles for yourself and, and, you know, let me know what you think. Do you believe that, um, you know, my kind of babbling here has, has made sense. Uh, is it something that, you know, uh, that you agree with, or do you have a different opinion? Uh, I would love to hear from you. So if you have any thoughts or questions on this, uh, don't hesitate to reach out, uh, to me, obviously there will be, these links down in the description, but there will also be a link to contact myself in the podcast uh, down in the description. So if you'd like to check out these articles, uh, then feel free to head down there. Along with that, any other links such as social media links uh, or contact links will be in the description. So if you'd like to check those out, head down there, check it out, uh, and I would love to hear from you. But with all that being said, I think that is uh, all I'd like to talk about for today's episode. So I want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to and supporting the show as always. And I will catch you all on the next episode of the podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. As one final reminder, if you'd like to support the show, then don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to check out any links that were mentioned during the show or follow the show or myself on social media, then feel free to head to the description of today's episode to find these links. As always, thank you again for checking out today's episode, and I really hope you enjoyed it. I will catch you all on the next episode of the podcast. See ya!